Hey world, this is Jamie, host of the Jamie and Jenty Show. Broadcasting live each week on Tuesday at 12 p.m. from Fishbowl Studios. Log on to hear sports talk from basketball to football and view your feedback on the biggest sports news you want to talk about from around the world. So be sure to log on each week Tuesdays at 12 p.m. to catch the Jamie and Jenty Show. Hope to see you soon on Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in. Welcome to the Beyond the Game podcast right here on Fishbowl Radio. My name is Jamie. It's Tuesday, August the 15th, 2023. Welcome, everyone. How is everyone out there doing today? Good? (laughs) That's good. So, before I get to this Cowboys game and how, you know, the atmosphere was, because I went to the game in person this weekend. Okay, you know, preseason tickets are not that much. I said, you know what, let me just go to the game and see how the atmosphere is. And I'm going to explain more on the atmosphere in a second. of how, And I'm going to maneuver some things on my game day experience so that next time I'll be better prepared for any type of NFL game that I go to in the future. So anyways, let's start with the, let's start with the weekend that was and I did I did so I woke up right and I had a I had an appointment in Fort, in Fort Worth it was some type of uh, I think it was some type of what was it called body country appointment something like that that I wanted to try so I, I tried it I went to Fort Worth I drove all the way to Benbrook because I canceled the appointment three times so I said you know what let me let me let me go there in person and tell them, hey, I'm real. This is real me. I, I don't want to be fake, and all. So, and and that's why that's why I did. I went there in person. I could have held it off because of what the Cowboys game transpired, but um, anyways, I went to that point. I was there for like an hour and a half, and it was a it was a good it was a good time. Then uh, I want to explain. I want to talk about my WNBA experience. So I went to the WNBA a game after the Cowboys game, and so you know the Dallas Wings is, is not that far. They play on they play on the UTA campus, and I told someone last week, hey, they should play at the Dickies Arena because no one plays at the Dickies Arena in the summer. I mean, they may have a few events, but you know, there's no, nobody there. You could their fan base can can be 10 times more than any other fan base in the WNBA. And I'm talking about the Dallas Wings. The Dallas Wings has a good following. Their social media is good. Uh, the commentators are great. Uh, the atmosphere at WNBA's game is always family friendly. You're not going to find anything X-rated over there. Maybe in, maybe in the NBA you will. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it was a good experience going there and, you know, seeing what the WNBA is all about. It's my second game ever at, at a WNBA event. And, of course, the Dallas Wings won. They beat the Connecticut Sun. So, but I'm very, very surprised by their quality of play. Um, I just don't think this year the Dallas Wings have, have enough. To be considered to be considered championship contenders, I don't think they have enough. I think they're playing very inconsistent. Um, the win stopped the three-game losing streak for them, and I think I just think this 
overall list last week they haven't played up to up to the, what what they're close to be. And I think it's I think it's just because of turnovers and poor shot play shot selections, especially by Enrique. Now Enrique is a great player, all star, fabulous player. I question her shot selections because she takes a lot of jack shots that may 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 not go in. Now on the Connecticut side, I was telling uh, Sports Talk with C. She was on the show in May, and we were talking back and forth on Saturday. I think it was Saturday or Sunday. Sorry, it was Sunday, and I told her, "Hey, Alyssa Thomas, top three MVP player. She plays the whole entire game. She's a leader." I just wish she was talk to, stop talking to the ref a lot on every call, but it is what it is. And I told her, Connecticut Sun needs to add one more player. It's too bad that the WNBA roster is so limited to a bunch of players, maybe eight or nine players, and then the five stars and four sits on bench. It's not, it's nothing like the NBA where you have like 13 players playing or maybe 14. So the WNBA needs to really expand. Really need to talk about expanding their rosters for and get rid of the hardship contract. Man, we we talked about this on the show earlier, on, and I said I don't like the hardship contracts. I just think it's overrated. I I just think it, it just it it, it kills the player's confidence and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm just I'm just done with that. And so. With that being said, I, I just looked at the at the bench. We we have better depth than the Sun did on 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 Saturday, and we eventually, like I said, we won the game. So, so I will be going to another WNBA game, maybe next month, probably. So, that was my experience. But other than that, there was nothing on Sunday. Uh, Sunday was more of a of a preparation day for my podcast because I I was so behind on it and you know getting back into the gym you know back playing basketball wise for the first time in about a week you know my my week was hectic last week so playing basketball was great yeah i didn't i didn't expect to play five on five i didn't even expect to play three on three but we did but i did because remember guys i don't go to the gym to ask to play three on three i go to the gym to shoot and lift weights and that's it. I don't, I don't ask any of those questions because I, I seen other guys at, at the other end of the court shooting baskets and, and you're, you're, and they're, and they're not the right form. You're airballing left. You're airballing a three point shot. You're airballing a 20 foot jump shot. Like what in the hell are, are you asking me, a talented basketball player to play against y'all? You can't, I, I, I finally gave in. I gave in because I said, you know what? Let me let me test myself. Let me see how how I feel playing four, four, five on five over the last month or so. That that the last month was the last time I played a uh, four or five type of deal at, at a twenty four hour fitness. Now these guys couldn't shoot. They couldn't shoot at all, and I was just telling them, hey, you know, we because they had a guy that was. Going, going right, going left all the time, and he couldn't shoot. And I kept telling him, when people can't shoot, you have to crowd them in. You have to pressure them. You got the, you got them. Well, no, I'm sorry. When they can't, when, when, if their only first move is to drive, you have to crowd them. 
and make sure they don't get to their favorite spot. And so I was the, the communicator on defense. So I took my coaching playbook out and I said, you know, you need to crowd them and not give them their favorite spot, which, which is they're going to dribble around and find their favorite spot inside the paint. Now, I blocked it a few times, but but the guy kept going going to his favorite spot. And I was like, man, I'm tired of this. And we, I stayed up to like 1.30 doing that, playing against, playing against guys that don't know how to play defense. But that's another story. So that was my weekend in a nutshell. Um, I, I will I will give you all a special assignment. But something happened yesterday that really bugged me. Like I had to walk. I had it's almost to the point where I want to walk out from a job. So I'll explain that at the end of the show. But let's get to this cowboy stuff, guys. I know I, I, I spilled on a lot of things over the weekend. So, my Cowboys experience, okay? This is my first game ever at a Cowboys game. I went, I've been going to, I went to AT&T Stadium. I've been there before, okay? Great facility, great everything. I went there in previous years for referee events. And that was the first time I went to the Cowboys game at first, even though it was preseason. Tickets weren't down a lot. And you really have to prepare to not only get to your seat, but prepare for all the antics that people may pull. Now, going to the NFL game, I've seen videos of people getting into it. I've seen videos out of the ordinary. And I was hoping that, okay, let me go just go to the game. Let me see how everything is. And I'll go from there. It was good. It was a great experience going to the, we have passionate Cowboys fans in this city. Okay. Maybe I, I saw a few Jacksonville Jaguars fans. I don't know why you'll be a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, but I, but this is all Cowboys. And for, I think it was over, it was full capacity to me. To me, because not only that you seen lots and lots of fifty thousand people go to a preseason game, see what the team is all about. You saw players go out there and become great. You saw players out there that say, "You know what? It's my first time. Let's see, let's see how the game speed is." Because you get practice speed and game speed are two different things. Practice, you're not going as hard. Game speed, you're going 110 miles per hour. And some of those guys on those, on that field went about 110 miles per hour. I'm going to name a few, but let's get to the quarterbacks first. Nathan Warwick. He's a Jacksonville quarterback. He came in late second quarter into the third quarter. Yeah. No, no, no. He came in, in the third quarter and he went nine for 17 more for a 153 and a touchdown. Now, I don't know much about this guy. This guy played in the Canadian League. Player of the Year 2022. Um, he might have a spot on this team. If I'm Jacksonville. If I'm Jacksonville, he might have a spot on this team. Um, maybe in the practice squad. But not like the backup. Because you got CJ Butthart. CJ Butthart has more experience than Nate, 
Warwick is. So maybe maybe Doug Pearson will go experience over over a rookie, even though he's twenty five years old. I'm talking about Nathan Warwick. Um, he's fighting, like I said, he's fighting for the same quarterback spot, and he won. He made one spectacular quarterback play to the point where he made Sports Center top top. He made Sports Center the number one of the night on Saturday night. And it was, it was, he would evade three, four defenders. Right when he was about to get sacked, he threw a touchdown pass. And that's where everybody around me left. So I sat on top of the stadium where I could see, I couldn't, I, I could see the field. I could see the end zone. But it was more of the screen that I was watching than the field. So. With that being said, that was a spectacular play to elude four defenders like that. Now we had him. You just couldn't, we couldn't finish the deal. So that was my, that was probably my favorite play of the night. Seeing that in person. Seeing Jacksonville didn't have their best, but they came out with a vengeance. They came out and you know, went through the motions, but we weren't able to capitalize on their t- on uh, on their motions. They they were just going through the motions on the field. Let's talk about Will Greer. Will Greer went twenty-two for thirty-one for one ninety-nine, two touchdowns and interception. He was sacked three times. He played good in spurts, and it wasn't that fabulous. It was good. He's forcing the ball to receivers, and that's a concern to me. It's a concern because you say that you take everything from Dak. Dak forced everything to receivers. Again, the reason why I say forcing the ball to receivers is because you don't trust your offensive line. You force your receivers, you force the ball to receivers because you don't trust, you don't, you, you think that the receiver is going to get open right away on maybe, maybe on a short route or maybe on a long route. All those things. And to me, it takes time for these receivers to get their routes together. We didn't have our best receivers on, on, on the field. And I'm talking about Brandon Cooks and CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. Well, we can talk about the tight end room of Hayden Hendershock, uh, well, no, yeah, Sean McEwen. We can talk about those guys, but we didn't have, like I said, we didn't have our best tight ends on the field. We just had guys that are trying to make the team. And so it just takes some time to, to get adjusted to game speed, get adjusted to the playbook, like on the fly. Because when you're in practice, you, there stops. You're stopping for everything. You're stopping for this. You're stopping for that. You got to run this play again. You got to make sure that everyone's on the same page. In games, you got to go. Like, Will Greer, next play, go. Just go. Let's go. Patience, I would say. Now, I think he played a little bit better than Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush looked rusty. Now, I didn't get there to like 7.51 left in the second quarter with Will Greer gone field. And 
But I did go back and watch the plays last night, and Cooper Rush looked a little bit rusty. But then again, it's preseason, and you haven't had that, those type of reps. So, um, I did mention patience for Greer. He needs to be patient. And I'm interested to see what happens this next game against Seattle. Number two, there's a running back debate, guys. And I, let, let's give a shout out to Ezekiel Elliott. He got signed by the Patriots yesterday on a one year deal for six mil. And he will help, he'll definitely help that backfield. Uh, there's a game that he'll be here on October the 1st. Somebody was trying to get, trying to get tickets to that game. I know, I, I was, I, I, I was looking. I, I was just looking. I don't know. <laughs> but things change over time. So, with that being said, shout out to Zeke. Um, I wish he was a cowboy again, but, you know, I wish him well in New England. And, but, we gotta run it back to bed, guys. Now we're gonna, now we gotta find who's Tony Pollard's replacement. Deuce Vaughn. And everyone, he's a fan favorite in Dallas now. Cause you hear the story of his Chris, of his dad working, for, works for the Cowboys front office. You hear that wonderful story. You, you start to cheer up the guy, cheer the guy up a little bit. You start to cheer for him a little bit. Start encouraging him to make the roster. And I think he solidified his case. Eight carries for 50 yards and a touchdown. Now to me, he was running strong. He was running to the point where he deserves this, he, he deserves a spot. Whether it's going to be maybe the second down, maybe the backup to Tony Pollard, or maybe just a kick returner, which I think, I think they put him all, I think he, I think they put him around the field. I don't see Rico Dallas and Malik Davis are fighting along with Deuce Vaughn are fighting for that spot. So now it's interested to see what we who they keep. Do they keep all five? And I didn't even mention Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones is suspended. He may I would say I will say he'll get released from this team. I'm not talking about Ronald Jones. Because it's hard. It, it, it is hard that you have the running back is so deep. It's hard to say, hey, we're going to keep all five of y'all and not have a roster spot for somebody that you really desperately need. So these decisions are hard. Some players may take it personally. Some may not. They may say, hey, we want to go to our practice squad, which is fine. But now we got to run it back to bed, guys. And it'll take two more games for either Rico, Deuce, or Malik Davis to get it together so that we have that solidified second down running ball. Oh, actually, the second running back to Tony Pollard. So now, our running back core is the youngest in the room. We can go with this back. I don't know who I, to me personally, I'm not ready to put Deuce Vaughn as the main backup to Tony Pollard. I need to see more. I need to see about 10 to 12 carries from Deuce Vaughn. Now, eight carries is okay, fine. But I need to see 10 to 12 of those carries, max. Maybe either against Seattle or Las Vegas. 
I want to see those. And so that it makes me say, hey, he can carry the load when Pollard needs a blow. Now, what I want to see from Malik Davis or and Rico Dallas is the power running. Both guys are built like they can power run a little bit. And now I can forgive Rico Dallas for filming the ball close to the in close to the goal line. I can forgive him for that. I just wish he'll bounce back and not let it bother him a lot. And I know it's gonna bother him a lot because he's trying to be that main back. He wants to be that well actually the second back. He was on the team last year, he wants to be that back. And so like I said, it's going to be a battle. And with Malik Davis, I want to see more of him. I want to see about five carries. To say, you know what? He has a spot on this team. It's going to be tough in the last few, in the next few weeks. Of who that key. Number three. Players, players, players in the wide receiver tight end room are standing out, guys. So, on this show, we talked about Jalen Tolbert. He went two for 29 for a touchdown. And now that touchdown that Will Greer threw to him in the third quarter. Was third quarter? Yeah, it was third quarter. Yeah, it was the second half. No, it was the first half. Okay. He threw it to him in the first half. It brought his confidence up a little bit. Now, Tolbert did some things. He did some things in the, in, in the summer. He's doing these at camp to the point where he wants to spot. I didn't watch much of South Alabama games because they're, they're in the Sun Belt. They don't show a lot of Sun Belt games anymore. But I watched a glimpse of highlights of him last year, and I saw the difference. I saw the same guy that went to South Alabama that was making those plays that made plays against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Saturday. Now I want to see more of him. I want to see him build that confidence to the point where uh, he can be that fourth or fifth wide receiver on the roster. I think the Cowboys are going to keep around five wide receivers. That main three that I mentioned and maybe maybe two more. Because I don't envision them keeping four. Unless you can say, hey, Jalen Torres the odd man out. And that's going to kill him. I feel like that's going to kill him. And now we got to talk about John Stevens. He might have a team, he might have a spot on this team. He's a tight end. He had one. He had five catches for fifty six yards and a touchdown. Now this guy was getting open in the in a short game. In the short game, he was getting open in the middle. He was getting open when it was short. He knows how to plant his feet. You know how to plant your feet. You know where to go. You make the other tight ends room nervous about their spot. Because this guy came in there, wasn't afraid, knew the playbook, and just shined. He just shined from there. He said, I want my spot. Now, that tight end is full. That room is full with guys. I, I, I was almost, I almost brought up Blake John, but he's no longer on this team. I almost brought up Dr. Schultz. He's no longer on this team, too. 
So we got a bunch of tight ends that, that is stacked. It's a lot. And does John Stevens have, have room on, have a place on this team? I believe so. But I would like to see more from him. I want to see him block. I want to see him continue to be consistent when it comes down to being open. And I want to see him adjust to different routes on the field. Meaning like maybe you line him up in the slot or keep him on the line. But the blocking for me is going to be crucial as far as where, what, where the Cowboys go from here. And John Stevens will need to work on the blocking stuff. He can catch. He's a good tight end. But I think his, his, he needs to work on the blocking stuff. We can talk about Jalen Brooks. Jalen Brooks, he's an odd man out. He had one catch. He was like three yards. Three yards. And so everyone in the Cowboys organization has been very high on him. I do want to see him get more playing time. And I do want to see him grow from there. And see what he, he what he's made of. What can we expect? I mean, seven-round picks don't get this opportunity later part in camp to shine. Usually, they're out on the street trying to look for another team to go on. But Jalen Brooks, he's in there. I just wish that they put him on the field more and give him more opportunities, not only to catch the ball, but to block and to do all the intangibles. And that goes the same way for Jalen Tolbert. I think this next game will be a adjustment game for him to see if he can hold up when it comes down to playing, playing, playing uh, when it comes down to the offense. Number four, Mozzie and Overshum. These guys have been high on, on defense. They've been high in camp. And now, they will show you why they're high on themselves. Mozzie out of tackle. Overshawn has six tackles. Now, when I watch Mozzie, the footwork, the mental stuff is there. The physicality is there. The footwork needs a little bit of work, but then again, we have, there's an adjustment between game, practice and game speed. And when he adjusts to game speed, in game one of the season, I think we're going to see a different Mozzie be disruptive in, in the, on other people's offensive line. He said he loves to hit, so let him hit. Before we talk about Overshawn, here's Mozzie Smith, Mozzie Smith speaking on the experience of his first game. Let's play that clip, please. How did it feel to get out there and hit some people? I like football, you know, it was, it was excited to get out there, you know. How do you feel you did? We'll see, take a look at the tape. What was the highlight? Hit somebody. Physicality. Uh, taking off the pad. You knew what your pitch count was going to be? Nah, I didn't. I came in like it was a game, you know. 
you know, starting to get prepared, get that new routine, get the new feel of how it's going to be to, to play a game, new uniform, you know, trying to figure it out. Conditioning it wise, how do you feel where you're at? Uh, I feel good. I always getting better. I always can be in more shape. Do you, did you play as much as you thought, or do you think you would play more? Or was I it? didn't think nothing of it, to be honest. You know, my coach died to think about that. You know? Yeah. I'm a football player. <laughs> Come on, man. I play this. This is what I do since I was a kid. Did you tell any difference from college to the North Korean game? Did you play speed, strength, anything like that from the opponent, or did it seem like the same thing in college? Uh, we played against a lot of other rookies, too. You know, but, um, they, they first, the first few drives, I think that they kind of do little different things than they would in college. Like certain things, give away, they think they're giving away pass, or they might do a run from a two point stance. I ain't really seen that a lot, to be honest. So that's new. How would you describe your confidence at this point now? Um, I've been confident, you know, they dragged me in the first round. I don't got no choice but to be confident, so it's pretty the same until we start playing against, you know, them, to the Giants, until after that game, watch that film, you know what I'm saying? There's certain games down the road you got to look to that you got to be ready for. If you ain't ready for that, everything that you did before don't matter. So that's kind of perspective you got to put it in. Are they giving you plans for the next couple of preseason games? Uh-uh. I'm playing. That's all I know. Are you going to lobby for that um, my coaches know best. You know, so I, listen, whatever they ask me to do, I'm going to do it. You know, they ask me to play the whole game, Mary Snap. You know, yeah, in Michigan, I played the whole game a lot, but I played a lot of snaps versus Old State. And I was happy. It felt good. So I'm like, okay, it don't matter. I, I didn't think I could play as many snaps. I played like 61 snaps that game. So I didn't know I could reach that. So like now I'm trying to see what else I can do. <laughs> yeah. What was that first game action experience with DQ like? Um, I was just getting started. You know, seeing them, and seeing how excited he is about about the young guys and about the guys getting better and getting ready to go down uh, this path and or up this path. However you look at it, you know, you know it's just exciting to be part of something again. You know. Football ain't our scheme. Football is really not about scheme at all, to be honest. Like, they, they can scheme you up, but it's really all about, like, how hard you hitting. You know, can you, what's your will? Like, what you want to do? Can you beat your opponent in submission? You know, there's certain calls that you're going to call, you know, in certain situations, and there's certain calls that you should be able to call the whole game and just let your players play. You know, so DQ, he more, he wants us to play hard first. You know, without the scheme, without anything like that, he want to see what we got. You know what I'm saying? It's football. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, no problem. They didn't limit you in the game at all? Mm, I'm good. All right, so you hear from Mozzie. Um, very calm to guy. <laughs> this is the same guy that said he loves to hit everyone. I wish I had that clip, but... <laughs> But he, he loves to hit. And um, I'm interested to see, like I said, I'm interested to see what type of footwork he's going to work on when it comes down to 
the first game of the season. And like I said, when playing the whole entire game, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure yet. But it will take a lot. And I believe in you. So we'll see what happens. Now, Overshone, I did not, I, I thought he looked a lot bigger at Texas. I watched him at Texas. He looked a lot bigger. Maybe the shoulder pad was was big on him. Maybe he was a big guy. He's not a big guy at all. He looks like a running back more than a linebacker. But anyways, um, he has six tackles in this game, man. He did he did great. This guy is a literally a linebacker. And, and that one, and not only the tight end, tight end room and the wide receiver room is full. We got the linebacker room is full now. We got Michael Parsons. We got Sam Williams. We got, uh, Overshaw. Man, we got a lot. And so I want to hear from Overshaw to explain his experience. And by the way, happy birthday too. You just turned 23 uh, on Saturday. Yeah. I, I want to hear from him. I want to see what his experience was playing his first game for the first time ever. Let's play that clip from Overshaw. Just went out, out the way, you know, got my feet wet. I'm excited for the season. What's, what's your biggest takeaway? What's, when you go back and look at this film, what's the play that makes that make you smile? What's the biggest thing? Man, just getting out there and, and flying around. You know, really putting on tape that that's, that's how I play ball. I, I like to fly around. I'm, I'm happy when I'm out there, and I'm, I'm passionate when I'm out there. So uh, I'm looking forward to turning on the tape, definitely cleaning up the stuff that didn't go well. But other than that, like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to move forward and uh, get better from watching this game. Feel like when you play like uh, play with a guy with like Damone, man, everything just fast, fast. He's he's making a play, so you, you racing him to make a play, and uh, just how how uh, he moves around on the field, he keeps everybody calm and the energy he brings. I definitely feel like I was feeding off that, uh, you know, and you know just learning from him. He he was telling me you know stay calm the whole time we went out there first job. So just seeing him go out there cut loose allowed me to go out there and just be comfortable and cut loose. I had nine, nine, a little, little whopping nine. Definitely looking forward to seeing some more the next time we play here. First time uh, being in the Cowboys, playing in the game for the Cowboys, obviously it takes a kid off this week. Before the game, you kind of have to settle your emotions a little bit. Uh, I did. I did, definitely, you know, putting the jersey on. You know, I put it on for OTA, but it was for pictures. But, you know, putting it on and putting my armbands on and my sleeve and realizing that I'm going to do this for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, a lot of people dream about that. A lot of people say, man, I want to do that. And uh, I'm, I'm part of that 1% that, that got the chance to do that. So I, I definitely, before the game, took five deep breaths and just, just soaked it in. And like I say, I, I wouldn't want to be nowhere else. I'm, I'm glad to be here. And, you know, like I said, I'm looking forward to the rest of the year. I've been telling people since I got here, I played against Deuce three years at K-State. Don't don't be surprised when he come out there and, and do what he was doing today because I, I, I've i seen it and I know what he's capable of and I, I'm, I'm glad I'm on the same team as him now. What do you think you're capable of? Man, uh, going out there week by week and, and flying around on the field, pursuing, you know, trying to beat everybody to the ball. I, 
I take pride in that, you know, being around the ball when, when it's all said and done. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to, to being that guy all year. I was told if you play linebacker in DQ defense, you play more than one position. So, you know, I'm definitely been moving around, uh, definitely trying to nail this linebacker position right now. But I know DQ got a lot of things ahead for me, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the challenge. All right, thank you, guys. So, you heard from Oshawn. Demarian Overshone. And I will say this. I will say that he's ready to break out. I think he's ready. I think he'll make a difference on this team. Wholeheartedly. Number five, my final take is the Cow uh, Jacksonville 28, Cowboys 23. My grade, this is me, this is me watching the game in person and watching the game again last night. My take, my grade would be B minus. The reason why I gave them B minus because we, I saw some plays that I didn't, I really didn't like. And I saw some plays that, that neat, that, that, that were good. The touchdown passes, the set, the, I don't think we sacked anyone, but, um, the interception was great by Wanye Thomas. I saw Kelvin Joseph play cornerback. He he made some plays, and I feel like he has a chip on his shoulder. Uh, Brandon Aubrey, I did see him. I even though he missed the extra point, but I did see him now twenty nine yard field goal, which I really don't care about. Like I told y'all on the show, I don't care about the kicking position at all. Isaiah Land. He created pressure. He forced three holdy penalties on their on the offensive line of Jacksonville. So that's good for me. Uh, I did mention that. So we got to look at those players more. And a B minus for me only because the interceptions that real group threw, the one interception, then the fumble by Rico Dowler, close to the goal line, and then just. The game is fast for play for players that are seven on the field for the first time. And I just feel like I just feel like slow down, let the game come to you. That's what I always always tell everyone. Let the game come to you guys. Now, good thing is that Cooper Rush got to play. Real Grill, Real Grill made some plays. Not a lot, but he made some plays. And John Stevens was fabulous. So overall, B minus for this for this game. It, it could be a lot better in the next few uh, in the next few games. But overall, it wasn't that bad. And I'm gonna start doing this now. If I ever go to an NFL game, whether it's preseason or regular season, I plan to be there two to four hours early. Now I say this because my seat was taken my seat was stolen by somebody that was sitting in it okay i had the seat that was way up in the fourth floor whatever that floor is even though i got there late my seat my seat shouldn't you shouldn't be sitting in someone else's seat now in the regular season it's going to be different this is preseason i get it but the regular season y'all need to get off anyone else's seat that y'all paid for so if you pay for that seat, you got to get your seat. 
That's why I that's why I plan to show up two to four hours early. To get my seat, to get to if I need to go get a snack, I will go get a snack and I'll be at my seat. So and then avoid the, all the craziness, uh, you know, with the traffic and all that, because all the traffic is crazy. It is crazy, guys. Let me tell you. <laughs> then find better parking. If I had to purchase a, a permit for the season, then I will. No problem. But that's my take on my game day experience and everything else. I hope in the near future I go to the game. I go to a Cowboys game this season or whenever that may be. And go shine from there. But now, let's get to some WNBA stuff. Now, the WNBA, okay, is playing their Commissioner Cup tonight. It's the Liberty and the Aces. They're playing this game in Las Vegas. Let's start with this Las Vegas. Well, no, I'm sorry. Let's start with this Liberty Scouting report. Now, Brianna Stewart for the season is averaging 23 points a game. Nine rebounds. She's shooting 46%, 38% from the three point range. Sabrina Nescu has been on tear lately, but her averages are 17 points a game, five rebounds, five assists, 40% shooting, and a whopping 45% three point shooting. Now, this game, Larry can shoot the threes. Is no different because Sabrina won the, won the three point contest. They love the three point shot. So you try to throw them off the three, just know that it's not going to happen. Just know you're not going to deny them from that. They're going, here's what they're going to do. Okay. If it's Sabrina and Nescu, let's say for example, Sabrina's going to call Jaquel or Brianna Stewart to call for a screen. Okay. If they don't help, if you don't crowd Sabrina Nescu, that three-pointer is going to go up. If she hits like three or four in a row, it rhythm is going to, they're going to call the same play call for her. So with that being said, you got to communicate early on her, on Nescu to shoot the three. Only because she killed y'all in that August 6th game where she was just on fire. That is her entire game for the three-point line. She is going to call for a screen. You have to help. Maybe jump the screen or, or in this case, get over the screen, which I never seen any NBA or WNBA or any other college player done. I never, I, we don't see that anymore. We don't see the old school basketball where when your man gets screen up top, you got to get over the screen. Why is it that I'm still doing it in 2023? These guys are not. I'm still doing it because I got player, I got guys I don't know of. I don't know them. And they want to scream me. What, what in the world is that? You can't scream the big man. Does Jockwell get screened? Does, uh, Adrian Wilson get screened? No. You can't scream a big man. So, but to this matchup, I will say, I will say that 
to, to, to defend this. Like I said, you got to cry. And also, Johannes. Johannes loves the deep, deep three-pointer card. Now, if she's laggy on the play, right? The Liberty's going to, now, Corvandis was going to bring the ball up. Look at Johannes. Johannes will be at the other end of the court. She is lagging, logging, yagging to the three-point line at the corner. Now, there will be a flare screen that, that will be set by Jaquel. That's going to free Johannes from that deep corner open. She loves the deep corner. Now, that three-point is going to go up from her. She loves the corner. Sabrina Nescu can do it all over the three-point line. Johannes loves the corner. So if you see that logging gaggy, be ready to communicate on that because that's where Johannes' game is. The corner three-point shots. You got to make her put it on the floor and make sure that she gets the three-point shots off with no rhythm. That's how you throw her off. Otherwise, if she's logging gaggy to the corner and she has that ball in that corner, that three-pointer is going to go, that ball is going to go up and she's going to make it 100% of the time. That's the only two outside of, outside of, outside of Lanny that's going to shoot the three. Now, Benaje Lanny is a dark horse. Like I told y'all last month, I said Benaje Lanny is going to be a dark horse on this team. What I mean that is that she's going to get 20 points. When she gets 20 points on this team, the Liberty do not lose. Okay? They don't lose. So, it'll take an off game from Stewart and Inescu, and Lanny will come in, will be that dog horse to give you those points. Nobody really pays attention to Lanny because they always pay attention to the main two, which is Inescu and Stewart. And they, they feel like Lanny can't do anything on the court. She can do a lot. She can do a lot. She don't necessarily three point game is not her game, but the mid range game is. And creation is as well. And the Liberty are loaded. Jaquas played well in the last few games. Uh, they got a Stephanie Dolson back, which will be added depth to it. The Liberty have that. Let's not get it twisted. But, but like I said, if, if, if Lanny scores 20 points tonight, 20 plus tonight, the Liberty, the Liberty will not lose. Now, to stop the Aces, you have to, you have to make Wilson dribble. What I mean is, if she's dribbling more than three times, it throws her off. If you force her to her right hand majority of the time, it throws us off as well. You can guard her. Her game is min range. You can guard her at the top of the key, uh, at the top of the paint, at the top of the free throw line. You don't have to seal off. You don't have to peel off like these other players do. Other teams just seal off and allow her to get to her spot. Her spot is that block. So when she gets to that block, that's her spot. Keep her off that spot. Make it feel uncomfortable for her. And I'm talking about Asia Wilson. Make that game uncomfortable for her. Another key that I will like is you got to make the Aces guards dribble the ball a lot. 
Now, I trust Chelsea Gray to dribble the ball more than I trust uh, Kelsey Plum. Kelsey Plum is not really a uh, not really a ball, not really used to dribbling the ball a lot. But if you get her going to dribble the ball a lot, it, it their offense is in shambles. And I mean that Kelsey Plum has to try to create her shot. Meaning that she's going to dance with the ball. She's going to, she's going to try to shoot over you. And she's more of a slasher. So if there's communication on the back, back end of the Liberty's defense, you know that Kelsey Plum is going to try to get to the basket. She's going to try to. And if we all to stop her, you got to play for her physical. So was Asia Wilson. You got to play her physical. Really, their main two scores is Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum. On the Liberty side. I'm talking about the Liberty scouting report. Now, I want to hear from Courtney, well, actually, either Courtney Valensley or Sabrina Nesky. I can't remember who this person is, who, who said this, but I want, I want to, I want to play a clip from either one of them. Let's play that clip, please. Recording in progress. All right, everybody, we're going to begin right away with questions from the room. 10 Courtney, question for you. You mentioned earlier the camp experience overseas. So have you got any any remarkable or, or any favorite story playing overseas about uh, camps, especially in Turkey? Um, yeah, I remember... That I was playing in Yakindo at the time, and you know it was it was kind of a Fenerbahce has kind of dominantly dominated in the league at the time, and no one was winning the Turkish Cup other than them, and we ended up upsetting them in the Turkish Cup. Um, you know, it's just a one-game thing, and we happened to um, play better that night, um, and so you know I think that that was something that like it was a big deal for the club at the time it was kind of a new thing um and so i think we can relate that to our situation here it's the first time the liberty has played in the commissioner's cup um i think it's a little bit i'm not saying that we're like the you know that we we can't win or whatever but i'm saying like to go home and just bring this this hardware home um is is a big deal for us thank you very much thank you christos we'll turn to aristides and then michael aristides go ahead Hello, uh, thank you a lot uh, for this uh, opportunity. I have a question from Miss uh, Ionescu. Uh, I would like you to comment on how important three-pointers are in, uh, and significant from your team's game plan. You are the first in uh, the three-pointers main in the ring, and your team Liberty has the highest uh, shooting percentage so far this season. Yeah. So, uh, how important? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's super important um, to be able to come out and we understand um, you know how great we are offensively and how each one of us are able to you know space the floor out and our bigs are able to shoot the ball really well obviously our guards are getting um, a great opportunity to get open looks as well and so the more we can continue to learn to play off one another and um, obviously doing that through shooting is going to help us you know establish um, dominance in the paint and so I think that's something throughout this last month we've really been able to take to the next level and obviously throughout the rest of the season we're going to have to continue to do so Thank you very much 
All right, thank you, Aristides. We're going to turn next to Michael. Michael, you'll be followed by Fifi. Michael, go ahead. Josh Turner, Courtney Venezue, and Sabrina Nescu. I just wanted to hear their voices for a second and talk about their overseas stuff and the matchups tonight. Well, actually, in relation to this matchup. So now let's go into the Aces stuff. Now the Aces... The Aces can, the Aces has more of an advantage. Ever since that blowout, the Aces have gone on a tear. The Aces have beaten teams by more than 10 plus points. Okay, ever since then. Okay, they take their anger out on other opponents. So let's dive into this matchup. Asia Wilson, obviously the MVP of this league. 21 points, 9 rebounds, and 54% shooting. She had 40 points against the Mystics. I think that was on Thursday. No, sorry, that was Friday. Had to be Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. It was last Friday that she scored 40 points. Kelsey Plum averages 19 points a game, 49 from the field, 39% for three-point range. You got Jackie Young, 18 points a game, 54% from the field, 47% for the three-point line. That's the, that's the one player I fear. Chelsea Gray averaging 15 points a game, six, seven assists, 50% from the field, and 45% for three-point range. And I fear Jackie Young because just like I said in Lanny, was Lanny, Jackie Young is a dark horse as a kid. They don't respect Jackie Young. They always look at Asia Wilson. They look at Kelsey Blum. They even look at Chelsea Gray. Why would you look at Chelsea Gray? Chelsea Gray is not going to kill you. It's going to be either Asia Wilson or Kelsey Plum. They don't know Jackie Young. Jackie Young can shoot the ball. Jackie Young can go for 20 at any time. If she goes for 25 tonight, they win. They win the cup. If she's locking down defensively, they win the cup. That's it. You don't really have to have Asia Wilson going for 20. You don't really have to go for Kelsey Plum for like 15. It's Jackie Young. If it's, this is Jackie Young's game, she's going to go off for 20 plus points and the Liberty cannot stop that. And I'm sorry, they will not stop that. So the ball movement is key. The ball movement loves it because the Aces ball movement keeps the defenses off guard. So, if they're moving the ball to one side to another, is keep is the Liberty do not have an answer for that. The only struggle is their drought. So they have possessions where they won't score or they may be confused on offense. You see Becky Hammond call timeouts when the Acers are not running their stuff to perfection. You see that. If you watch the Aces on TV, you've seen Becky Hammond take early timeouts to keep the team upright. And I was telling this someone, there was an incident on Sunday after the game. And I said, and I said, what was this all about? It was between the Atlanta coach, which was Tanisha Wright and Kelsey Plum. And I said, and I said to myself, why is coach Wright? Going up to players after the game, started some shit. You can't start. You can't do that. Your team is one and five in the last six games. To Nisha, you right? I'm talking to you. You have no business disrupting a great team like that. 
None of it at all. So, what's happening? He said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what that was all about. But it's just being petty. But anyways. But now, you see, you see the struggles that the Aces have gone through. They have spurts. And they, if their drought is longer than four minutes, the Liberty's got them. It's going to be like the game on August 6th. Where it's the Liberty, the, which the Aces only scored 16 points in the second half total. I think that's right. Yeah, they scored 16 points total in the second half. And they are blown out by 38 points in New York. But that won't happen tonight. But, but here's my keys of the game before we get to the uh, audio from Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum. He must play physical with Jones. Jones has been physical. They don't have the depth. The Aces don't have the depth to master Jones' physicality. So this is going to be a game where their depth is going to be tested. I do see Asia Wilson holding it down a little bit, but I don't think she wants to play 35 minutes. And that's key. This is going to be a game where Kaylin, Kayla George will come in and solidify Asia's Wilson's rest. And this is why I don't like a limited roster. Cause you don't have Candace Parker there. I don't know how Atlanta coach, coach fits in this fold and probably if Alicia Clark, Clark plays, then, then it, it provides an added more depth on that line. So you gotta be physical with Jones. You don't want to be physical. You gotta match her. You gotta keep delivery off the three point line. So we're not, when I said crowd the, crowd the three point line, you gotta crowd it. That means maybe you gotta jump the screen. Maybe you have to switch on defense. But that comes with communication. If you're gonna switch, call for it. If you're not, if you're gonna crowd it, go ahead and crowd it. For me personally, to keep your depth fresh, I will say switch to, switch to screen. If you're gonna try to free Anescu and find a larger gagging Johannes going to that corner, you're going to have to jump. You're going to have to switch on Anescu and try to accommodate for Johannes that is logging gagging to her three point to the corner. That's what I'm saying. It's all about communication on defense on the Aces side. If you don't have it, then this is this game's over. But you gotta force Stewart to her left. So you force her to the left and you try to get back to her right side. That's her only weakness. These teams don't force Stewart to their left side. They continue to, to let her go off. I was so mad at the Indiana coaching staff because they don't know how to scout great players. I remember, I remember Stewart going for 30 points against the Fever on Sunday. And I said to, and I said about Coach, Coach Size knows nothing about adjustments. You allow players to do whatever the hell they want without no resistance. How do you let Stewart go for 30 in the first half with no resistance whatsoever? You allow that crap to happen. When I'm coach, you don't allow that shit to happen. 
What is wrong with y'all? What is wrong with y'all scouting department? Y'all need to scout better. You don't allow players to go for 30 points in the first half. Better yet, 42 in the whole entire game. Then you allow players to do whatever the hell they want. That's why I said for the Aces, the Aces will not allow Stewart to go for 30 in the first half. Cause you know why? Because Peggy Hammer will throw a blow at Gasket. She is not afraid to call everybody out. And that's why she's the best coach in the league. We don't need this, we don't need fake coach size to go, to allow players to, to go ahead, go ahead, drive right. Go ahead, find some rhythm. That's what they did it on Sunday. And that's why when all that shit talking you were, you said, we beat Minnesota. Yeah, you beat Minnesota, but you lost to delivery. You gave someone 30 points in the first half. I will never forget that. But let's, before we go to break, let's hear from Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum, please. Uh, Andy and Marshall. They, they beat us like bad. And that's, you know, I think coming into this game, I think that that's like for us, like the lack of effort that we had is unacceptable. So you'll see a different team. Thank you. Uh, back to Zoom. Miles, go ahead. Yeah, on that note about the Liberty, um, do you guys kind of feel like a, a rivalry is kind of building, particularly with the, you know, playing four games against them this month? Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, hype it up um, and talk about super teams and stuff. But, I mean, for us, we don't really focus on that. We just try to take it, um, you know, one game at a time um, and just focus on Aces basketball and how we can get better each game. Miles. All good. Jackie, go. Okay, so, excuse me. So you heard from Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum. So my only fear, my only fear is I feel like the aces are going to fall off. That's my only fear, guys. I, I, I fear that Aces may fall off, but I don't think they're going to fall off in this game. I I'm going to give the Aces the, the victory. It won't be a blowout. I think it'll be maybe maybe a ten point game, maybe just ten points. Okay. So so this is more of a Kayla George type of game where she may go off if she scores eleven points off the bench again. Like she did against on Sunday. The Aces win. The Aces need everything. Because I feel like the Liberty have depth. And they can use that depth to their advantage. So. Depth will be testing this game. And I think Liberty has that depth. But the Aces have their willingness to win. They will. They will. They remember this. They will remember this. But I'm going to, I'm giving, I'm giving the victory to the Aces. I do think the Aces will win this game. Now, awkwardly enough, they play again on Thursday. This is just a regular season game. 
against the same two teams on Thursday. Same Prime Video. I don't know why it's on Prime Video, but you can ask the WNBA on that. The WNBA thing is great that it's on Prime Video. But yeah, they're showing nothing on ESPN. I think they're showing on ESPN, I think they're, sh- I think they're showing the Ultimate Fight, which is, you can show that online, you can show it on ESPN too. But you show this game on ES- on, on Prime Video. Tonight. That's how much the W, that's how, how much the ESPN does not care about the WNBA. Like the NBA, they show games once a week. I'm pretty sure when the NBA plays their tournament, I'm pretty sure that game will be on ESPN. 110%. I can bet someone on that. It'll be on ESPN wholeheartedly. ESPN. But when it comes down to this, it's on Prime Video. You're going to make everyone purchase that Prime Video to watch this game. Okay, fine. Whatever. We just got to see what happens. It'll be a great matchup to watch. Alright, guys. That's it for my takes. Coming up next, let's get some college football stuff. Now, college football is starting in 11 days. And we want to talk about some teams that will make a statement in 2023. Let's talk about it on the other side. It's Fishbowl Radio's Beyond the Game. I wish I knew you wanted me. I wish I knew. I wish I knew.
around, get tongue-tied I turn it on, I make it rowdy Then carry on, but I'm not hiding You grabbing me hard Cause you know what you found Is biscuits, is gravy, that
welcome back to the Beyond Game Podcast right here on Fishbowl Radio. <coughs> Excuse me. Alright, so, college football is here. I'm excited. Because for the first time, well, not actually, not actually for the first time. No. Um, we got some statements, guys. We got some statement teams that may make it to the college football playoff or may May not, may get some coaches fired, all the all of that jazz. And I got five of them. Now these teams that I will talk about, I expect highly from them. Especially number one. Number one is Ohio State. Now my my agenda is you gotta beat Michigan. You got to beat Michigan. Only because of an old boss of mine. Like I told y'all, Deke, uh, in January, I said to y'all that my old boss, it was a Michigan fan. Well, he still is. I always wanted Michigan to be beat. Whether it's in football, basketball, baseball, softball, anything Michigan, beat them. <laughs> cause I want to, because that would, that would make me heal. That would make me heal a lot. I'm not saying Michigan State. Michigan. You gotta beat Michigan. You gotta beat 45 to 23 last year. You gotta beat them. At your house. I think you're going to the big house. I think you can go to Michigan this year, so you have to beat them. And that's what the one matchup I'm looking for around Thanksgiving. You got to beat Michigan. You gotta get to the national championship game. I think it's a, a national championship game or bus. Um, I don't think they have the roster to get there, though. I think this is a two-loss team. Let's, um, you know, who replaced CJ Stout? Now, we got Devin Brown and Cal McCord. Cal McCord is the most experienced because he backed up CJ Stout last year. I don't know where Devin Brown came from, but he more, you know, can fit that mold. We'll see what happens. But the tough games that they have is at Notre Dame. This, this, at Notre Dame, this is September the twenty-third. At Penn versus Penn State, October twenty-first. Michigan, obviously, Michigan, and that's November twenty-fifth. But those two losses right there, I would say Notre Dame because Notre Dame is always going to have a chip on their shoulder. That is out their place. Then you got Michigan. I'm not worried about Penn State because Penn State, you, you can beat Penn State. But I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about Michigan. Are you going to have, are you going to have the same effort this year? Now granted, the Big Ten's tw- tough. They got, they got some tough opponents and, you know, Michigan, Michigan State. You can throw in, um, Illinois. You can throw in Iowa. You can throw in, um, there's a bunch of teams, Purdue even. So, it's a tough league to go through Ohio State. But I do think, I do see Ohio State in the, in, not in, in, not, not in the national championship game, maybe in the conference championship game. Now, next year, 2024, it'll be even tough because you got a bunch of other teams coming in, which is UCLA and U, USC coming in. So we're not worried about that right now. We're worried about this season and how you can get to 10 plus wins. Now I listened to a, 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 a video on YouTube called All Sports Central. This guy had you at 11, uh, they had you at 12 
they had you going 12 and up. Me personally, I, I have you going 11 and 1. That one loss will be to Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame has that team. They're very talented. And so that team is going to go places. So I have that one loss, Notre Dame stuff. I'm sorry, Ohio State. Number two, SEC. Now, Alabama and Georgia are on the SEC. You know, obviously they're going to be one and two. Okay, maybe, you know, Georgia's going to go to the championship game again. They're going to probably three-peat. We'll see. Got to keep, keep that program under control a little bit. I'm not even going to blame Kirby Smart for all for all the off-the-field stuff. I never blame coaches for off-the-field stuff. That's a player's decision. Whatever decision they made is up to them. It's just that the media wants to blame the, the environment of Georgia, which is not it's not Kirby Smart's fault. It's not his fault at all. I just think players make decisions outside of the football field. That will impact somebody else's life. So, so that's on my eyes. We got to keep players accountable for their actions. But with that being said, Tennessee is the odd man out. We don't talk about Tennessee a lot. Now, yesterday, Peyton Manning, I think Peyton Manning is teaching a course at Tennessee. It's supposed to be, I don't know what type of course he's teaching. I can't, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. I can't remember the type of course he's teaching at Tennessee. But he's teaching the course. And that, yeah, that's exciting because you got a Hall of Famer that's teaching the course at Tennessee. That was, that went to Tennessee. Did some numbers at Tennessee. Did a lot of things at Tennessee. And to give back out his arm monitor, fabulous. So, but let's talk about this year's Tennessee team. Now, Tennessee last year had a chance to get to the college football playoff. They had a loss to South Carolina, to Georgia. They lost their quarterback and had a hooker to ACL injury, which now he's in the NFL. And so I don't expect anything different. The only difference is they will not get to the college football playoff. So they got Joe Milton back. The running game is key to success. Just remember, they don't have any wide receivers. The running game will get them to where they need to go. The running game will get to maybe to like eight or nine wins this season. Josh Heupel's third season. Could it be a plus? Could it be a minus? I always say for college football coaches that are going through their third season, this is a make or break season. You can be fired at any time possible. But I feel like Josh Heupel will not be fired. He may, he may go nine and three or eight and four and keep his job, which is to me, it will be a surprise to me because we don't see coaches keep their job after the third season. That's unusual. Unless, unless you're in North Texas, you hire Seth Latrell, he goes seven seasons without a bull win. So with that being said, it is what it is on the Tennessee side. Now, Tennessee has some tough games, guys. Alabama, Missouri, Georgia, and Kentucky. Now, I do see four losses there. I do see Alabama. I do see Missouri. I do see Georgia. I do see Kentucky. They may lose a fifth game. Then they'll go 7-5. Now, you're always going to find those games that the lower level of those teams 
is always going to upset the other. It may happen to Tennessee. Who knows? Keep their quarterback healthy. Keep the running game at attack. Keep the linemen healthier. Then we'll see what happens. But they have, but the channel has them going nine and three. I have them going eight and four. Those four losses and then everybody else they can beat is the reason why I had them going eight and four. Now Tennessee's the odd man out. They can go against Georgia or Alabama in the in the SEC championship game. Maybe Georgia. I do see Alabama losing a couple of games this year. <laughs> I hate to say that, but I do, I do see that. I do see Alabama losing losing a couple of games this year. Like like because they can't figure out their quarterback position. The quarterback position will lead them to success, according to Nick Saban. So, with Tennessee's side, maybe Tennessee beats Alabama again. Who knows? But then again, you're playing at Alabama. So, you gotta keep the turnovers down. When you don't have, when you don't score, it at, in Alabama, I'm talking for Texas, for example, and Tennessee, or any other opponent that goes to Alabama, you're gonna lose. Alabama's gonna come back and go on a, Five to six play drive and score a touchdown. That's all they're worried about. They're not going to score a field goal. They're going to score six points. So, there's no cause for a playoff for this team this year in Tennessee. None. You just got to take a step back. Which Tennessee will take a step back. Number three, Texas. Now, I really didn't dive into to this uh, to this scouting report when I talked about Texas on my other podcast, but let's do it right now. Now, te- now, now, Texas could they win the Big Twelve title in their final season? Quinn Ayers or Archie Manning? I'll answer that question for you. Who's the running back replacing him? Xavier Worthy. Xavier Worthy did not transfer, which is very surprising to me. Defense is it? Are they going to be elite this year? The defense gave up 22 points a game last year. Okay, so let me start with number one. Big 12 title. You have to win the Big 12 in your last final year. Last time you won it was in 2009. You don't have the team this year to do it. But, 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 I'm wishing y'all well. And I say this because you're losing majority of your talent from last year. Last year's talent was B.J. Robinson. B.J. Robinson gave you a lot of yards. In the past game, too. Quinn Harris couldn't throw the ball to save his life. Okay? You have two main receivers in Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington. Yeah, Jordan went to two. And then also you have a, 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 a Dolly O'Donnell Mitchell transfer from Georgia, which 6-4 will help a lot in the receiver game. And so you got to go through the, the heart of the Big 12. The Big 12 has some quality teams in it. You can't count out Baylor. You can't count out. Well, you can count out Oklahoma because I don't know what type of team Oklahoma's going to 
play this year. Oklahoma State, I don't know about Oklahoma State. Kansas is always going to be Kansas. Kansas may win six games. Kansas may win seven. They may beat Texas this year. They may not. That's the only matchup I'm always interested in seeing. If Texas beats Kansas or Kansas beats Texas, what will happen to Texas chances in the college football playoffs? Or even the Big 12 title chances for Texas. I always look for that matchup against Kansas. I'm not worried about Kansas State. I think everybody's underestimated Kansas State. But with Texas, Texas' ceiling is high. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. Quinn Ayers or Arch Manning? Arch Manning is a name because, you know, he, he is the uncles of, well, yeah, the uncles of Peyton and Eli. And he may not play this year. But if Quinn Ayers, God forbid, played inconsistent, they may bring Arch Manning in. I'm not even talking about injuries. They may bring Arch Manning. I don't, I don't know what Arch he's going to bring. Because we only see him at practices, but I do expect him to bring in bring in a lot. And so, with that being said, I will definitely go with Quinn Ayers as a starting quarterback because I think he has something to prove. I do think he he, he can try to throw the ball, but again, your accuracy has to improve. You got two quality receivers. Well, actually, you got three quality receivers on the outside. And a great tight end. And so, why didn't Xavier Worthy transfer? The trans, I know that the quarterback room is not great in college football anymore. I know that everyone's going through the motions. But Xavier Worthy could have elevated his talent at, on the NFL level if he would have transferred to another school. And have a quarterback that it was great, that, ha- that is experience. That can get the ball out quickly, versus Kirk versus Ares couldn't get the ball out at all. Archmanny could, but Archmanny's not starting on this football team. I'm pretty sure nine times out of ten, Quinn Ares will start the season. Now Xavier Worthy can easily go for a thousand yards if he has the type of game, type of thing that he had last season. This Texas team can go far further, further than the national, further than the Big 12 title. We're talking about college football playoff. We got to think about the college football playoff, guys. We're too, we haven't been to a, a BC, to a championship, national championship game since it's been forever. 2009. I remember that year. Cole McCoy. Does that ring a bell? Raise it to me because I, I watched that game and we got blown out, but we haven't been in Texas in the long course. I would not show that one because it was a blowout game. It was a good game too, but they want to show the game from oh, 2005. You've seen that game numerous times. The running back replacement, the running back replacement is key because I always, I always looking for, I always, I, I just watched a documentary on Ricky Williams the other day. And I said, and I said that Texas for the long haul in the future, they're always going to focus on the running back room. They're always going to focus on the running back room. You either come from 
Kalani Reed, Robertson, CJ Baxter, Baxter, Samuel Red, uh, Jordan Blue, John Brooks. It, this could be by community. Basically by community. Running back by community. So who knows what they're going to bring at running back? Who knows who's the Texas running back? Because nine times out of ten, that running back position is important on this football team. Now, the all now let's get to the tough game before we talk about predictions. Prediction wise, well, sorry, tough games. Alabama, the second game of the season. Rice is the first game, but easily beat Rice. Get to Alabama. I, I feel like Texas may go into that game and beat Alabama. I, I, you know, last last year's game, I feel like Texas had the tools to win that game. Now, I blame it on the officiating because the officiating was terrible that game. So, with that being said, I do think Texas may go there and win. I, I, I see that. I see that. But they won't win by much. They'll win by, like, less than, less than seven points. Let's say that. But those, the, the second game is always going to be the trap game for these, for these good teams. I do think if Texas starts 2-0, I do, I do see the fate. The fate that they can run the table in the Big 12. Uh, Baylor. Baylor is always interesting. That's at, at Baylor. It's always an interesting game. Houston. Houston, this is their first time in the Big 12. That's at Houston. That's on the 21st of October. And then you got TCU on November the 11th at TCU. So, quality road games. Four quality road games, which I, I don't know if they're going to win all four of them. Those are crucial games because they're, they're, they are the, the deciders of the season. Now, if you go in there and lay an egg on all four of those games, there's somebody in that room is going to lose their job. It ain't going to be Gary Patterson. They're going to point at the head coach and maybe they'll point at the, at the quarterback too. But when I look at Baylor, when I look at Houston, when I look at TCU, I have more faith in beating Baylor than I do in Houston and, and TCU. I feel, well, then again, TCU is on the rebounding stage, and we'll discuss that in a second. But I do see Texas going into into Alabama, beating Alabama. You got to remember, Alabama is not the same Alabama of old. Alabama is changing. And these players are not going to Alabama one. They're, they're going to other places. And so we don't know who their quarterback is, but Nick Saban damn sure is going to coach, has been coaching them hard in practice, I'm sure. So, I do see that happening. Now, record-wise, they have been going 10-2. and I have been going 9-3. and 9-3, and I do see a loss to Alabama. I also see a loss to Baylor. I see a loss in the TCU. Maybe, oh, I think they have KC on their schedule. I do see a loss there. That'll be four losses. But if they beat TCU, if they beat Baylor, I do see a loss to Kansas, Kansas State. Kansas State is always going to be the odd man out in the Big 12 because people don't, uh, people don't appreciate their talent. They got a talented team in K-State. Now, Texas goes there and beats Kansas, Kansas State. I, I would dig more highly of Texas now. Than, than I do ever before. But I do see them going nine and three. 
I don't know. It, it just depends on the, on the numbers. It just depends who, who gets the 10 wins in the Big 12. And Texas is right there for you. You can easily beat the Oklahomas of the world. Easily. But those games against Baylor and TCU will be crucial for me to see what type of team Texas has. Like I've been saying. Um, so, number four, ACC. Clemson. Now, they don't have anybody in ACC. You can add Florida State, Miami. You can add NC State. You can add North Carolina. But none of those teams are going to be... None of those teams are going to run the table like, like Clemson, Clemson is. So, DJ Ugly Ted Taylor. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's out. And you got... Kay Kavanick. He showed flashes when he took over last year when uh, DJ was injured. Or inconsistent. Will Shipley is the top running back. Now, they did not make the college football playoff last year. Do they make a return this year? Let's discuss. Now, tough games. Florida State, that's on the 23rd of September. Against Miami, October 21st. Notre Dame, November the 4th. North Carolina on November the 18th. So, accountability for me, for Davos, when he is key. Can he keep the players accountable? Can he keep his team consistent? For me personally, I want quarterbacks to take the blame. So when Cade is running the place fast and not getting any getting only two to three yards to carry. It doesn't fit well for the Clemson offense. I always think the Clemson offense is a slower paced team that can take their time that rough run the offense. I feel like Dabble is going to preach that. This season. But I hope that, I hope, I do think they have a better quarterback than DJ was. DJ couldn't take the heat. That's why he transferred. That's why he went out to Oregon State. What's he going to do there? I don't know. I don't care. But I wish him luck over there. But they have them going 11-1. I have them going 10-2. I have them losing to Florida State and Notre Dame. But the trap game will be Miami. That's the trap game for me. That will eliminate all all college football playoff talk till next year. Which they extend it to, I think they extend it to 14 teams or 12. I can't remember. But this is a crucial year for Clemson. Can they get back to the college football playoff? We don't know. We'll see what happens. All right. My final, well, actually my second to last final college football game team. Then they're not going to win the Pac-12. Was all Dion, Coach Prime has talked. They're not going to, they're not Prime to win the big, to win the Pac-12 in their final season. In the Pac-12. But Coach Prime has them believing. Has them believing. And I love it. Colorado. Colorado, you know, this is why they, they think their team's gonna go 11 and 1, right? That's what they're thinking. They're thinking, they're saying, you know, we can go 11-1, we can run the table. But me personally, I don't think they can run the table at all. I do think that they can, 
they'll win a couple of games. But I feel like, I feel like, me personally, I feel like they, they, they're going to try to, oh, I feel like that it's going to take a step back. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some time to get these players adjusted. It's going to take some time for these players to adjust to Coach Prime's philosophy. Because you got to remember, Coach Prime is coming from another program. And players, it took him an instant minute to get adjusted to what Coach Prime is preaching to them. But he proved his point. He cleaned the house. When the house is dirty, you got to clean it. You got to clean it up. Players were willing to stay. They stayed. They stayed. Players went. They went for their own good or for their own betterment. I don't know what their own betterment is because you got a Hall of Fame, well, a Hall of Fame player slash coach. That's that is keeping it honest. If those players that transfer, they're not used to honesty. They're not used to it because they're used to people tell lying to them. They're used to you know. <clears throat> excuse me. People being soft to them. That's why Colorado hasn't won anything in years because the coaching staff is soft to these players. They're used to them. And that's why every player that that transferred wants to be soft spoken to. Wants to be told that they're going to be great. But they're not. They're being told what to do. They can't handle honesty. They can't handle realness. And that's why Coach Prime clean house. Is going to continue to clean house. Now, for me, this is a transition season because you got your son coming in, Shadur Sanders, and you got your other son on the uh, on the other side of the ball, Shiloh Sanders, who is a cornerback on, on the other side of the ball. You got a whole new offense. You got a whole new defense. You got a defensive staff. They're not going to win right away. It's going to take time. Coach Prime, give him about maybe two to three years to fix this. Because it's a big problem in Colorado. Now, I would tell Colorado fans, do not, do not, do not give up on Coach Prime. Just because you sold out for 2023 doesn't mean you have to go, you, doesn't mean you have to not support him as a coach for, for next year and the years to follow. It takes time to build. It's like construction. It's like your favorite Let's say if I was in college again, my favorite call it my favorite Starbucks. Okay, my favorite Starbucks is going down. Okay, what what do I do? I build another one. It takes time. It may take eight months to build another Starbucks across the street. Okay. I'm giving Coach Prime another year to build this roster. He's done it by transfers and commitments. It's gonna be hard. They're not, they're not gonna win right away. Which, this channel has them going three to nine. I make it respectable by them going six and six. Here's their tough schedule. They got TCU the first game. Nebraska. The second game. They got Oregon, USC. That's all September. Oregon State, November the 4th. Utah, November 25th. That's their test schedule. So you can easily pinpoint what? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six losses. And they'll run the table with six wins. They'll find a way to get six wins. 
But I'm going to say five. I was a little lethargic of saying six because I thought, I thought that, okay, Coach Prime, his energy got me going. And I'm 35 years old. His energy got me going. What a better man to play for other than Coach Prime. That gives you the real honest truth. That gives you the inside look of how their life should be in a college football environment. But this is more of a year that you just got to be patient and growth will be tested. You just got to be patient with the team. Now, Shador has not played on the Power 5 stage. This is his first time playing the Power 5 stage. He'll be tested. It's not as fast. The, the speed at HBCU football is not as fast as Power 5. So, give him out a couple, give him out another season to get the offense running, and then he'll, he'll shine. So, my other team is TCU, but I feel like TCU may not bounce back. I'm, I, you know, TCU's in, in a rebuilding stage. You know, they got to the national championship last year. They went undefeated. I do think they have no days off. They, they had no buy, but they have a buy this year. So let's not get it twisted. They had a, they have a buy this year. So I could be wrong about the record. They can go five and seven, six and six. That's me. Uh, the other guy has them seven and five. I don't know where you got seven wins from, but I had them going six and six or five and seven. This is a rebuilding program, guys. I'm interested to see what Sunday next does. And I hope, and I hope they don't reject my interview requests again. Cause I'm coming again. Okay? I'm coming again for you, TCU. I may not be at the first game because I got North Texas to go watch against, Cal- against, uh, California, which, which is a weird state. Cause I'm used to calling it Apple G and now I gotta call it That's You Stadium. What the hell is that? And y'all celebrate that crap? And I have to go and I have to go to it that nonsense? Okay, whatever. I'll fine. I'll go. I'll go. And I'll make sure I'll be there two hours early to go talk to, talk to play, uh, well not even players. To introduce myself. I used to go to North Texas. I did this and I did that. So, that is my five teams that college football teams that you should watch out for for this upcoming season that will make a statement alright guys so I left this towards the end of the show and I'm going to say this and I want I want uh, Angel, to, Angel to send my listen and Sammy if she's listening so guys we won't be here next week we won't be here next week because I got invited to a podcast movement in Denver. Now, I wanted to go last year, but I wasn't, you know, I don't know if I was selected or not. I, I, it was my first time going. It was my first time being selected. So, I, so it was here in Dallas last year, and I did not go. But I got invited this year to go in Denver. Now, I've been sitting on this for about a couple of weeks. Even last month, when I when I got the invitation, you're invited to Denver, you're, everything's paid for, and I was like, just cover the flight and the hotel. Okay, fine, whatever. I've been sitting on that because I never had a career 
like I'm having right now. Okay. I looked into the movement and I, and I saw what, what I can gain from it. Everyone has gained a spot from networking to monetization to growth to everything else. And I sat on it for a long time. But last week I said, last week I made my decision. I'm, I'm going to it. I'm going to it because I want a different career and I want to expand this podcast to numerous heights. And I want more airtime on this episode. And so with that being said, we, I won't be here next week. However, I'll give you my daily, um, what's that thing called? My daily stuff, whatever, what, what, my daily life into the podcast movement at in Denver from the time I wake up <laughs> to the time I go to the places and I learn all of everyone's teaching me. My schedule next Tuesday is stacked. It's stacked to the point where I won't be free. I the last the next time I will be free is at six thirty, and then then again it'll be party time over there, and all it'll be time to network and everything else. So I go for monetization. I go for growth. I go for a new career. My new career starts today, only because yesterday I. I got, I, I, I was told at my job, I was told to do something, right? I did it. I needed help. And the person, the property manager, semi yelled at me in front of prospects. And I didn't want to go that route because I said, let me keep it professional. Let me say, hey, you know, I got people in front of me. Let me try to keep it professional. And I clicked. I, I hung up on her. That is the type of job I, I don't, I don't, I don't want anybody to go through that. I don't want anybody to be told what to do. Okay. Especially when you're over 30 years old, you have a bunch of degrees, all that stuff. I don't have a master's degree, but I have, but I have experience in this world and nobody, especially myself should be treated like that. So. I made the hesitation last week of telling my boss, I said, hey, you know, I'm going to the important event next week. I will be paid when I'm gone. I don't care who takes my spot for that week. I don't care. I really don't care. I can leave that in the back burner. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. They can hire Gumby for that matter. They can hire an invisible. I don't care. This is my career. I want to live through it. And we will. So with that being said, I won't be here. I will be learning from everybody. And I think that Angela Yee will be there. She is the host. She used to be on the Breakfast Club. She has her own show now. Uh, her own morning show. I think she'll be there. And everybody else. I, I, that's my one number one person I want to go meet. I don't know where she'll be, but that's my number one person I want to go meet. <laughs> so, but... If you want to keep up with me, I will definitely um, make a video every single day that I'm there. The time I land to the time I leave. And I'll come back on the 20, I think it's the 20, 
when's that day? The 29th. The 29th, I'll explain my experiences and, um, and I'll go from there. But I'm telling y'all, when I come back, things will change. Things will change. For Harley. So, with that being said, I want y'all to take care of yourselves. So any past episodes you miss, you can go reminisce, you can go and, um, archive it right now if you want to and all that stuff. And I will still give you my socials and everything else. But nonetheless, guys, wish me luck and I wish y'all luck too. Take care of yourselves. I'm out. I'll see y'all on the 29th. We will definitely talk about how the Cowboys fared against not only against Seattle, but against the Raiders. And we'll talk about additional stuff as well. And I'll, I will also have my WNBA Spotlight Player of the Month for a good month. So I'm not, I'm not going to not watch WNBA on this trip. I'm, I'm still going to watch it. I'm still going to watch the Cowboys too. It, it's just my schedule will be so tight. It's so much learning, so much knowledge. I got to take, I got to galvanize it. I got to, I got this is the first time ever I'll be, I'm like all over the place. My first time this weekend, what was the only, was the only time I went out <laughs> in a long time. So just imagine in Denver of me learning all that stuff and applying it at the spot so that when I come back, we're ready to go. So, with that being said, everyone, I want y'all to take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll see y'all on the 29th on Fishbowl Reds Beyond the Game, guys. See y'all in two weeks. Hey world, this is Jamie, host of the Jamie and Jenty Show, broadcasting live each week on Tuesday at 12 p.m. from Fishbowl Studios. Log on to hear sports talk from basketball to football and view your feedback on the biggest sports news you want to talk about from around the world. So be sure to log on each week Tuesdays at 12 p.m. to catch the Jamie and Jenty Show. Hope to see you soon on Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in.